Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Insider, brought to you just for a change by Vanishing Ink. My guest today wrote a book I read in the late 80s or early 90s that taught me how to bend spoons, Gellerism Revealed. One of his early re releases, Cosmosis, The Floating Match, was performed by Doug Henning, later released by Tenyo, and continues to be a bestseller some 35 years after its release. We love magic books here at Vanishing Ink, and Ben's written over 40 books on magic, and also written for obvious periodical choices like Apocalypse and Genie, as well as slightly more unusual choices like Penthouse and High Times. He's also released a huge number of smash hit tricks like Hoodwink, Crossroads, Run Silent, Run Deep, X-Ray and many, many, many more. His latest book, Machinations, has recently been released by, well, us at Vanishing Inc. Benny, how are you this evening? My friend, I am fine. How are you? I'm lovely, thank you very much. But this is a 30-minute show. We must push on. What's your push origin on. story? Yes. What's your origin story? You have 34 seconds. My origin story? Um, man, I just fell in love with magic as a child and it's, it's just all happened ever since, since then. I would um, cut up uh, cereal boxes, make magic tricks, uh, the Tony Curtis movie, um, Houdini was a great inspiration. Mm. Um, Doug Henning, my God, I had a t-shirt, um, it said, um, you know, magic is alive. Doug Henning proved it. It's <laughs> the creation of a wonderful moment. Um, that, well, Paul Harris, you know, said it, it's that moment of astonishment where everything just falls away and pure wonder is left it's it's that's what i want to create that's what i want to feel myself every day you've created many levitation effects perhaps more than anyone else cosmosis a leader flight case and others come to mind what's your fascination with levitation and what do you think makes the perfect levitation if there is such a thing? Uh, Beautiful, beautiful question. Levitation is such a strong premise because it is visually proving or demonstrating that the laws of nature can be temporarily overthrown. It's a temporary thing, but it's something uh -huh. you don't expect to encounter. That's a powerful moment because the laws of nature rule our lives everywhere we turn. So... Sure. You know, if you can overthrow nature just just for a second, wow, it's it's uh, primal. It's a, you know what I'm saying. Right. It's just yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, such absolutely. a basic thing. There's no diddle daddling. There's 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 yeah. There's no counting. You know, through cards. It just happens, and there's a moment of awe. Um, uh, my favorite levitation, the best levitation, I, I don't think it's, it's, I don't think it's been created as yet. I'm still looking for it and I've spent a lifetime looking for it. <laughs> and the pleasure is in, the pleasure is in the searching. That's, that's, sure. you know what I'm saying? You, you have to drop, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr drop the existing blinkers that have been applied through other methods, uh, through other visuals, uh, forget the expected and just let something new bloom um I, I think it's yet to be discovered yet to be developed and wow how do you forget methods 
Okay, interesting. Gosh, you've got some interesting questions. My God. Um, I've just written about this recently. I, I, I'm learning to forget about plot. And this, I, I often accused of like sort of disappearing from magic for long periods mm. of time. And that's because I love to write and I write science fiction. I write um, books on botany. I, I write in different fields. Um, but with the fiction, Stephen King wrote a, a wonderful book called The Art of Writing, and he deals with letting go of plot. If you have plot, your characters can't develop naturally. Uh -huh. um, uh, so if you forget your expected result, you're free to let your mind go in new directions. Um, so I'm forgetting plot. Now this is, for instance, with, with machinations, we're looking at Robert Neal's trapdoor card. This is something that he and Martin Gardner came up with in 1983. Uh, we've seen many variations of it since then, mm -hmm. uh, but all those variations share the same plot. They all basically result in the front and the back of the playing card or of the dollar bill or whatever, they transpose. Sure. They transpose through the hole as the spectator firmly holds the little door so to, to, to control it. But all of the effects involve the front and back transposing. And I thought to myself, whoa, 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 whoa. That's the plot. That's what we've, uh, that's how we always see this presented to us in one way or another. But what else is possible? So I started with a blank piece of paper. Remove the front, remove the back, thus remove yeah. the plot. Yeah, what else yeah. is possible? And that's where you start, by just removing the plot. Interesting. And, and I know that sounds strange. It sounds no, odd. No, no, no. It makes perfect sense, man. Um, but you're just freeing yourself to explore new avenues. Yeah, yeah. Cosmosis is probably one of the most ripped-off ideas of the last 35 years. How did it make you feel when the pirates started stealing from you? And how do you feel about it now? Well, I, interesting. I've, I've, my opinion has changed completely. I was initially absolutely crushed. It's like... Mm. I mean, absolutely crushed. Here you have a, an idea which is well-received, although controversial at the time because my advertising was probably a little controversial. That's something that's followed me around. I've got a couple of questions about that coming up, yeah. <laughs> yeah beautiful, beautiful. I'm happy to answer them. But I, I was initially crushed. Um, however, I look back on it now. Uh, as you mentioned before, the effect is still... A, a good selling effect, it still influences magic, it, it still amazes people to this day, 35, 36 years later, when I'm dead and buried, this trick will still be in magic catalogues. Whether it's credited mm -hmm. to me or not, it doesn't matter. I have made a difference, tiny as it is, tiny as it is, but uh, it'll be there for a, for a long, long time. That makes me proud. How we got to there is just life in the modern world. Yeah. Yeah. For a little while, 
you ran a branding company and helped many magicians brand and produce their products. The design and marketing of your releases was and is still very different from the run of the mill. I remember being a teenager in the late 80s or early 90s and going into Davenport's in London and seeing Hoodwink on sale and just reading the cover of it meant I had to get it, despite the relatively high price tag for a teenager. How did you learn to sell your products and what lessons could you share with creators listening to this? Okay, um, it's a love and enthusiasm plus, I guess, a, a moderate flair for marketing, which I inherited from my father, who mm -hmm. um, basically ran the Ford Motor Car account in Australia for, for, for 30 years. Ah. Um, so that's where it comes from. I did actually own an advertising agency for a small period of time. Um, Marketing is very, very important. Um, I believe in being controversial with marketing. I, however, I believe in being totally, absolutely honest. Yep. Um, but sometimes the two things can combine together. Yeah, it's a hard thing to, to put together. Um, sometimes you are misunderstood. I have made mistakes. We all make mistakes. We all learn. We all grow. Um, we need to acknowledge these things and um, it's what makes us human. See, this is this is one of the reasons why I, I stay away a little bit um, from the front line, if you like, because I bite too easily. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, I mm -hmm. it's taken a long time to develop a thick skin. I mean, I, I well, I'm still I, I still easily bite. Um, so it's best just to not put myself into a position where I speak before I think. Um, yeah, God, this has turned into a brutally honest little thing, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> if you're uncomfortable, we can go. We can no, go I am. I am. I I'm absolutely happy, fully man. comfortable okay, because cool. I mean, one doesn't often get to speak frankly like this, you know. Um, no. But I, I think we we need to live in a more frank, more honest more open, more friendly, more um, accessible world. Sure, well, that's great. Um, some of your releases, Ahem, Hold in the Head, caused quite a bit of controversy in the magic world when it was released. Talk to us about that effect, how you came up with it, and how you felt when you heard how people were reacting to the effect and the method. Um, That's like five questions in one, man, sorry. It is five questions in <laughs> one. Um, How you came up with it, first of all? Uh, it, well, it was, ba it was an accidental thing. It was just one of those things. Um, and that's one of the ways you create magic is you notice odd things. For instance, I'll just flash back a little earlier than Hole in the Head. We go back to Epic Flight. Mm -hmm. um, which was a transposition of two keys through the back of a spectator's hand using a whiteboard marker. Um, and the unusual discovery at the time that a uh, whiteboard marker would dissolve permanent marker. Um, a fresh idea at the time, nowadays they use it to actually clean accidentally soiled whiteboards um, in, a, in a pinch. Um, but that was an accidental thing. I accidentally noticed that one marker dissolved the other marker, and thus, if you interchange the markers secretly, 
you can make what appears to be a permanent mark um, disappear. Um, so one way of creating magic is to notice unusual things and then ask yourself, what can you do with that? So that's sort of designing from the bottom up. Same thing with hole in the head. I, I had noticed the, um, the optical illusion for a better choice of words. Um, and then thought, okay, what can we do with that? And I developed a handling, a handling that worked well. The marketing, however, got out of hand. I can't remember all of the details, <laughs> but it was sort of pushed a little bit harder than it should have been, probably. Um, uh, yeah, that's, it, it's a great trick. I don't care what anybody says. I don't regret it. I do regret, about, uh, regret how uh, it all resolved. It was over-marketed, it was over-hyped, it was over-pushed. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm as much to blame as anybody else. But it was an error in judgment. But it's still a damn good trick, and I, I stand by it. And the, enough, the, it, it's still available. And, um, yeah. What do you think makes a perfect magic product? I don't think you can have such a thing. Okay. Every, you, you, I mean, it's as simple as the fact you cannot please everybody all of the time. It's just not possible. Um, today, more than ever, we have such divergent opinions. We have a very opinionated world, one uh, fueled by, I guess, it's a social media type of thing. But this is the future. Um, you cannot have a perfect product. You, if you are a magic creator, all you can do is be honest with yourself, produce a product with love and care, a product that if you received in the mail, opened it up, you would just be beside yourself. That's the ideal product. Um, it doesn't matter what category the product is, but that's, if you, if you could give the end user that feeling, um, as well as obvious, you know, usefulness, practicality, sure. yeah, yeah. effectiveness, etc. Um, but, you know, you, you, there's nothing, we've all, we've all been through it time and time again. You receive <laughs> a product, you've spent your hard-earned money, it's like, oh my God, come on, is that it? <laughs> um, <laughs> the, sure, you're still paying for the secret, but I think you need to nowadays be receiving a lot more. You, um, and that's very hard. You look at, I mean, there are hundreds of products, it seems, to be released monthly. Hundreds. As soon as a product is released, it's passe. Yeah. Uh, so there is this hunger. Um, so thus, there can't be a perfect product when you have this fashion of this, this hunger for the, for the latest mm -hmm. and newest. Um, who, 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 who are the people that are performing these tricks, that are changing their repertoires daily? That's not how you grow as a magician. Um, you need that experience of audience contact developed through repeated, tweaked, developed performance material. Uh, you can't be changing that every five minutes. You're not giving yourself all the effect, the chance to grow. Yeah, true, true. You, you... You do create a lot, tricks, books, ideas. Do, do you have a process for creation? 
Uh, yes, and it's one that has changed over the years. Um, oh. We've discussed briefly sort of designing a, a magical effect from the ground up, for instance, by mm -hmm. noticing an oddity and then building on that. Um, another way I like to create is like from the top down with a very clear image of what I want to create and then work out the best way to do that. The best way has to be superior to everything that has gone before, otherwise it's just different. And to be just mm -hmm. different isn't good enough. Um, enlightenment, the, um, the floating card with the little magnetic rig, that started out as with, well, what do I want it to look like? I want uh. it to look like a playing card that is just on top of the deck or on top of a book or whatever that's lying flat that floats slowly. Now, that's the difference between a levitation and a suspension. The levitation is strong because you see the moment when gravity is dismissed, just the yeah. moment when the object begins to rise, that's the strongest moment. Um, uh, so that was a top-down type of thing. Nowadays, I'm dropping the plot, as I mentioned before, like with mm, the trapdoor mm. card, just going back to a blank piece of paper. If you don't have the front, you don't have the back, you cannot have that transposition, so is there any effect? And the answer turns out, yes, there is. The, the, the hinges on the little door change to the other side, so the door begins swinging on one side, the left-hand side, and the spectator holds it, you go through the process, now the door is swinging from the other side, bang, so you have effect. But that is so minimal, but it is something different. And that led to the idea and the fact that the, uh, the card, the trapdoor card, can actually be inverted 180 degrees while the spectator is holding the door. Combine that with optical illusions, Combine that with um, ambigrams where words change depending on how they are orientated. You, you have some brand new effects built around the same architecture. Sure. Um, and that's what Machinations is all about. And I think there's probably about 13 applications in there. And there are lots more. I mean, just with COVID-19, you can use the machinations card as an educational tool with it was an arrow that's pointing upwards showing the rising cases and the the the, the, the rising unemployment the rising this the rising that the the horror of it all the other side of the card also has the arrow pointing up yet the spectator holds the little door the door of hope the door of right, constraint, right. the door of opportunity, and you then turn the arrow so it's now pointing down <laughs> to bring it all down. Um, it's just taking the upside trick out of the book machinations and replacing the word upside with the arrow. And there right. you have uh, something that Whole can be used thing. as an educational tool. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. yeah um, uh, so I, I think what the book does and the way I thought about it is that it just opens up further possibilities for exploration um, by removing the blinkers. Simple as that. Yeah.
drop it, dropping the plot. When you hear people say that they're just not creative, do you believe them? Do you think creativity is something you can learn? And if so, how? Uh, yes, I do think you can learn to be creative. It's just a matter of... Um, oh, gosh, that's a hard question. It becomes automatic once you develop the knack of just looking out for oddities. Okay. Things that people haven't noticed before. Um, so much good magic is, is created that way. Um, I, there are lots of examples. I can't think of many specific ones right at the moment, but it's just, yeah, I mean, if it's something that's odd, it's something that shouldn't be there. If it's something that shouldn't be there, then that's, that's interesting information to have up your sleeve of magic. So let's talk about the book. Um, it was released a, a couple of a couple of weeks ago, um, and you've hinted at it. But but go into detail. It's a book about one trick, right? Essentially. Well, it's a book about one idea, idea. that is Rob okay. Roberts' trapdoor. So explain the idea for people that may be unfamiliar with it. Okay, the trapdoor card, it's, it's basically either a playing card or, or a piece of paper the size of a playing card or, or a postcard size that has a small door cut in its middle. The spectator, you, you can have an image printed on the front of the card, an image printed on the back of the card. The spectator holds the little door and by folding the card, you magically make it fold through the hole adjacent to the door so the fronts and the backs transpose. This is while they're holding the door. It's, it appears impossible, but it's something that happens in their hands. They're controlling it. Traditionally, the effect has transposed the, the front of the playing card to the back. Mm -hmm. um, with the Wonderland build, for instance, which is a, a, a more recent application of the principle from, I think, about 2002, um, Nick Brown's Wonderland build, um, the, the front and the back of the dollar bill transposed through the hole. Now, you can pretend to uh, mystically pass your audience through the hole so that they're appearing on the other side of the bill, um, it's basically always been transposing the front and back through the whole of the card uh, that's cut in the middle while mm -hmm. the spectator holds it. The fact that they're holding it seems to make it absolutely impossible that you can turn the card over or turn the card inside out, so to speak, through that hole. Of course, yeah. Um, but it's, it's like a mathematical type of puzzle. It's like an origami type of magical trick. What I've done with the book is I've tried to add some, some uh, uh, plots, if you like, or, or effects to it. For instance... I think plot's a fair word, yeah. Yeah, um, one of the effects called upside. Uh, the, uh, the card involved has the word upside printed in bold print right across the card on both the front and the back. The word upside is correctly orientated on both the front and the back. It reads left to right, it's correctly orientated. 
The spectator holds the card. Now, while they are holding the card, there's no way you could turn it upside down. Yet, with a flex, you do. So the word upside is now upside down on both the front and the back of the card. Now, you can instantly repeat the effect and even repeat it halfway, if you like, leaving the word upside correctly upside on one side and upside down on the other side and leave it with them as a souvenir, sort of a, a card caught between two realities. Sure. Now, interesting thing about the book, though, is for the first time ever we're exploring cards with two holes cut in them and also multiple trapdoor cards, so cards used together. Remember the game of quoits where you throw um, rope, rope loops or rope hoops over a stick stuck in the ground. You could do something really wild with the machinations cards along those lines. One of the machinations cards has a, a little flap cut in it. The spectator holds that. Now, while they are holding that little flap on the card, there is no way you could toss other cards with holes cut in them so that they're around the flap they're holding, they're, it's just not possible. Yet you do it. You do it not only once, you do it twice. <laughs> Another two-card version has a, a, an image of Houdini, beautifully drawn by my artist in Mexico, who we should give out a shout to young Eva. Absolutely. Ella Zaldi. Beautiful man. This man does sketches that are just so beautiful. In fact, he's just done 48 sketches for a new book for me. And... Um, the way this man draws decks of cards is just beautiful. Um, but anyway, that's another story. <laughs> um, another one of the machinations effect is um, with this Houdini portrait that Eva drew, uh, you wrap it in a separate card that has chains printed on it, yet while the spectator is holding it, the Houdini card escapes from the chained card. Um, and it's all using Robert's basic principle, but with multiple cards, which has never been done before. Um, which is the exciting thing. Sure, this of course. started out with just noticing or, or exploring with the blank piece of paper and then asking, well, what, what else can be done? And we've discovered that the card can be turned 180 degrees while restrained by the spectator. We've discovered that you can use multiple cards, making one card pass through the other, which I guess has relationships to Terry Rogers' wonderful Stargate, yep. which was yep. an application of Robert Neal's principle, but with two cards glued back to back, and they passed through the hole. Um, it would be, yes, of course it's related to that. Um, also, we've got some optical illusions as well. Um, there's just all sorts of ways of applying new visuals and new effects and new plots to this single piece of architecture. The trapdoor card is a wonderful topological mystery that allows you to flip a card over through a hole cut in the card uh, while restrained by the spectator. And there's just so much that you can do with that, so much yet to be discovered. I've just scratched the surface. I'm convinced of that. And that's the beauty of, of doing a book like this is, I mean, it, 
if you show that the blinkers can be dropped and that there is so much more, then everybody's sort of like given permission to proceed. Uh, yeah. Because one of my yeah. questions was to people like to people like Robert and other people involved in the origination of the trapdoor card was why wasn't there anything else? Why, yeah, why did, did you stop? stop? Yeah. Why did you stop at the transpositions of the fronts and the backs? Why? And the answer basically was, we thought it was good enough. And hey, I concur, it was. But that's when the blinkers went up. You know what I'm right. saying? It's like yeah, dust, absolutely, done and man. dusted. We don't yeah, yeah, even yeah, think yeah, about yeah. it anymore. Yeah, jobs so are by, yeah. yeah. So then by stripping it all away, you can start to think about it in a fresh way. Um, it's like a thumb tip. I mean, a thumb tip has a million uses, yet we're blinkered in many ways to maybe a vanishing cigarette or a vanishing silk handkerchief, etc. Mm -hmm. We've run out of time, Benny Harris, but we always finish with the same four questions. They're quick fire. Favourite pizza topping? Pepperoni. Favourite person or people that make music? Dave Gilmore. Favourite movie? Oh, gosh, come on, uh, man. That's a difficult I one. I know, right? Just um, one. Okay, it's going to be surprising, but it breaks me up every time and I need to watch it every decade to ground myself. Uh, Merry Christmas, Mr Lawrence. Finally, who would you rather fight, 100 tiny Joshua Jays or one massive Andy Gladwin? I love that you're giving this thought. <laughs> yeah, one massive Andy, one massive Andy. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking, hey, up, for giving us the time, man. That has been just fascinating. An absolute pleasure. And I hope it has been of interest, my friend. Of course, of course. Is there anywhere that people should go? Should they want to, to keep up with your, your antics? Hit um, wowbound.com. Wowbound, W-O-W-B-O-U-N-D.com. Uh, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Damien. Take care, mate. Bye.